0: Hi there, podcast junkies and educational fans. Andrew Bray here with uh, your favorite podcast host and my mom, Barbara Bray. How's it going?
1: Oh, I love this. I don't know <laughs> if I want to call them junkies, so
0: <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully they are. This is this is the best way of gathering and sharing knowledge nowadays. At least I think so.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we're the, I'm loving meeting all these wonderful people and having these stories, but the best is having this time with you, Andrew. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) So basically what you're telling me is that uh, all of this, this whole podcast uh, uh, endeavor has been an excuse to hang out with me. Yeah. I love it. I'm so spoiled. I'm a spoiled son. My gosh.
1: <laughs> I don't think our aunt my audience believes that, but that's okay. Oh, you even snorted. I love it.
0: <laughs> Can I blame that on genetics? I don't know. <laughs> oh, mom. So tell me tell me a little bit about this upcoming conversation that we're going to listen to together.
1: Ah, well, I've been mentioning that I've been, you know, this idea of meeting wonderful people during South by Southwest. Another one I met is Daniel Fried. He's a professor and he's um, an amazing biochemistry teacher. And some of the things, and I thought, oh, how am I going to help him? Oh my gosh. He told me that he wanted to figure out a way that we could teach kids science in a new way. And he looked at art and music and combining strategies with that. And he created 24 courses on biochemistry, college biochemistry classes for kids. I was like, okay, I, I said, "Okay, Dan, I got to I got to I got to see how you did this." And so he explained it in the podcast, and the way he shared it and the enthusiasm is just really I was going to say viral. But he even did a he did a he did a course on COVID. I mean, really, on COVID and the vaccination. Where do you hear this? He's amazing.
0: Well, everybody, fasten your seatbelts. This is going to be a good one. Stay tuned for a conversation with Barbara Bray and Daniel Freed.
1: I met someone at South by Southwest. I was so blown away. I had to talk to him again. Daniel Freed. Dan. Hello. I'm so glad you're here.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh, it's been wonderful to talk to you. And I said, you know, what you're doing is amazing. We just have to let people know about it.
2: Yeah, no, (laughs) I agree. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Uh, He's blushing everybody. It's okay. (laughs) I'm going to make you blush more. I'm going to boast about you. Is that okay? Sure. Uh, (laughs) Dr. Daniel Freed is assistant professor in chemistry at St. Peter's University, has developed new methods and content for chemistry education in K-12. And, you know, we met. It was so cool, Dan. It was, I think you were the last person I talked to at- Oh, really? Yeah, at South by Southwest. That's one reason why I wanted to share your story, especially about your biochemistry literacy courses. And they're for kids. They're, they're like college courses for kids.
2: Yes. Yes, Can I Can I do
1: them too? <laughs> I'm gonna have um, to
2: we do have some adult- participants now. So yeah, you're, um, you you can have a complimentary membership for sure.
1: Oh my gosh. Welcome, Dan. This is just wonderful. Thank I, you. I'm so glad you're here. And uh, we just have to tell people a little bit about you because you have a really wonderful story. Sounds good. I'd like you to just give me a, uh, do a little bit of an overview of your background.
2: All right, sure. So I'm from uh, upstate New York originally. Um, I became a music major out of college. I was always torn between between music and science, but I ended up doing music first uh, in uh, Temple University at the music school there. Uh, Found my way back to science. I transferred back to New York where I uh, did my BS in biochemistry at Binghamton. And uh, then I was lucky enough to get a Ph.D. Um, position at uh, Yale. So I was at Yale for around six and a half years doing my Ph.D. Uh, then I did a postdoc at the Weissman Institute and then was also lucky enough to be able to get a professor position, which is not easy to get, especially in this market where it's so competitive. So I w- I'm, now I'm a professor in uh, New Jersey.
1: Oh, that is a pretty amazing story. Um, my niece went to Yale. And oh, wow. her, uh, yeah, and her uh, husband had just got his doctorate in religious studies. Oh
2: wow! At the, that's cool. Yeah, that's right next to the chemistry department. The chemistry and the divinity are like across the street.
1: And they got married at in Yale. Oh at wow! The, and then they we danced in the that it was a bar kind of. I know it's a real important. It's well, very big. Was it Gypsy? The graduate school I, bar, maybe. Yeah. They, all I know is that. I was dancing like a fool. It was so much fun. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, you know, about, you know, it's just kind of fun to know someone that went there. And um, But still, all the things you've done, I'm just curious, you know, what made you, what it was like when you were a student. Because, you know, I work with educators and some people, I have some people that say to me, I always wanted to be a teacher and I used to put my stuffed animals up and, and teach to them. Then I have some other people that said I hated school and I wanted to make a difference. What's your story?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think everyone when they're in school they they think that it's uh hard and you know, school isn't easy for everyone. But yeah, for me it was like a mixture like I was I really liked it. I liked when I was I always liked whatever I was like learning anything, honestly. Um so I liked it. You know, there were some courses that were harder than others, some courses that I was, you know, things I was good at, some things I was like definitely not good at at all. And um, but all throughout the entire time, even since I was a little kid, honestly, I was very uh, into like the meta, the meta level of education, like kind of analyzing what was happening uh, at all times. And this is probably because my both my parents are elementary school teachers. So, um, you know, talking about education was something that we just did every day together and talking about school culture and how everything works. So I always like was looking back at everything. So in college and kind of deciding what I was going to do with myself, I started to think, like you know, was there something that I had to offer that I could then like reflect back on education? Like, was there something that I could take from my experiences and, you know, help and change and like try to revolutionize something? Because it was something that it was always important to me.
1: Wow. Was there somebody who inspired you, you know, when it came to chemistry? I mean, I have to tell you real quick, I wasn't the great student. And when I got to—actually, I moved from Washington, D.C. to California, and I ended up going to a community college, and I had an organic chemistry teacher, and I loved it. Oh, wow. I was like—I was kind of surprised how much I loved it, and it was like magic to me. Did something like that happen to you?
2: Yeah, I actually had the same exact experience. Um, You know, I I became a science major. I didn't really know what I was going to do exactly. I just was there. And my, I also had a really, really kind of charismatic and um, you know just very outgoing uh, orgo teacher, organic chemistry teacher. Um, he was, I think, uh, I think it was an adjunct, but he normally taught at Cornell, um, and he, he would mm. teach at Binghamton in the summer. So I took orgo over the summer. And uh, yeah, I just immediately was connected to it because you can like understand how everything works and you you always know about chemical reactions. But then when you study organic chemistry, you learn the reason like why everything happens. So it's like such a big idea. And I was like, I waited my whole life to like understand like why things happen. And you don't have that in the earlier years. So yeah, organic chemistry made a big impression on me. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to try to become an organic chemist.
1: That is so cool. So, you know, I'm into why, you know that, right? Yeah. Okay. So I kept asking why, why, why? And So guess what? My husband is a chemist, was a chemist. He worked at the water department, you know, the East Bay Mud. And um, it's interesting how I I just thought, why is this doing this? And why are we doing, you know, all of those ideas. So when you talk about, you know, the idea of wanting to know more all the time, there's probably a lot of kids like you, a lot of people like you, (laughs) but they don't ever get the chance to do it. And so... You decided to do research when you went to school on engineering protein and enzymes. I mean, come on, why? <laughs> what? I'm going to ask you why. Why Why did you do that?
2: So I went to Yale thinking I was going to be an organic chemist. I took, you know, I don't know how many organic chemistry courses at Binghamton. I was lucky that they do have this, um, a lot of the undergrads were taking graduate level courses. So I I took, I think most of the organic grad courses, which were very hard and I wasn't always great at them, but I always like enjoyed them and I I was fascinated by them. But yeah, I went to Yale thinking I was going to be an organic chemist and be like, you know, work for a drug company. But, um, the lab that I ended up getting really interested in was, uh, you know, you just try new things and we were doing rotations and the lab that I rotated in, um, this lab uh, of Alana Shepherds, who is a, you know an amazing, brilliant professor um, from from Yale. and um, she had this engin- protein engineering program, and uh, that's just what I got into. Um, you know so I was using organic chemistry, but applying it to biology and answering biological questions and um, especially proteins. So that's the lab that I ended up joining. Yeah, and I, I always tell people when when you're looking to see what to do or what to, uh, major in or or what um research area to go into you don't know what you don't know what you don't know about this, so you have to experience new things and you might end up doing something that you didn't even know existed um before you made that decision.
1: I'm trying to write that down really quick as a quote to go with you because that I always say that you don't know what you don't know, but you just yeah. uh I'm gonna have to listen to it again because it was just <laughs> okay that is a really good quote because a lot of people think they have to whatever they come up with it. They're always whatever they chose. Yeah, and they're right. not, and then they live a life they may not be living. What their why is, right?
2: Yeah, yep, that's true.
1: I like that you were able to find someone. You said uh, Elena, Elena Shepard,
2: Alana Shepherds. Yeah, Alana, Alana, Alana yeah. Shepard.
1: Yeah, she sounds like she was wonderful. So she's kind of like the one, a mentor for you. Yeah, she was
2: my mentor uh, for uh, six and a half or seven years. Yes.
1: <laughs> wow. So what was it that, I'm just going to say, because some people never find someone like that. What was it that she did that impacted you?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, what what she was to me is she was, she was someone who could put together ideas from all different areas and things that she that she obviously knew from other times and synthesize new things and new ideas. And it was just always so impressive to me. And I think this is something that 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 all scientists can do, like that are operating in, at at a high level. But I was always just so impressed by by what she could do and just so, create such creative projects that are, are are kind of bringing together so many things. And it's, it was so interdisciplinary. And I'd never seen anyone do something like that. So that that's I think why I chose to work with her. And it was also a very big lab. It was a dynamic lab. Um, I don't know, we had dozens of people at it at certain times, and it was just a really interesting place. And we were studying something so fundamental how do proteins fold? Like, what are the shapes of molecules? Um, creating new molecules that have never been made based off biology. It was just so cool. Like, just everything about it was just so interesting. And um, that actually leads into why I started my kids' project, because it was just something that I, I wish that I had known about sooner.
1: Before we get to the Kids Project, because we're going to talk a, lot, For a sure. lot about that. I'm just curious because this is where COVID comes in.
2: Right, yeah. I mean, the world is now dependent on biochemists, yes, yeah, to get back to normal. I mean, they're the ones in charge of everything, of, 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 of our normalcy now.
1: I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, because uh, when you're thinking of the molecules and the spikes and mm-hmm. the vaccinations and people are going, they're actually learning it.
2: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, these words are you know the the, word, the the idea of mRNA. Everyone kind of has has, has at least heard what an mRNA is now, and that wasn't true two years ago.
1: Well, I think that that might be something that they'll learn in your courses, uh, also. But I'm just thinking that uh it's amazing when all of a sudden it's kind of thrown in our face, and we're all sitting in the world. Where, you know, we we've never lived in a pandemic before, yeah. but here we are with something that. You're living. You're, this is what you've been doing. How long were you at that lab?
2: Uh, I was in her lab for, I guess, the first year. You're not really in the lab, so like six mm-hmm. years or so.
1: Six years. Yeah,
2: I, I took a long. It took a long time for me to graduate.
1: Well, that's kind of, but it, isn't that kind of normal though for the? Yeah,
2: it's normal. Yeah, I mean, some people, yeah. some, some people are out in four years. Some people are out in nine years. But yeah, I was there for a while.
1: But You know what? I think that you were you were so passionate about it. I bet you it felt like it was. You were excited to go there.
2: It never got tiring for me. I I was always interested. And and you're trying to solve a problem. You're trying to publish uh, papers and you're trying to figure out your own project. So uh, besides just learning about things, you're trying to, you know, engineer something, get something to work. So you need to have a, you need to be a person who can deal with some frustration and failure and you have to have a very long view of things. You don't always get what you want the first time or the 20th time. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's what people need to know. I mean, teachers... Right now, the problem is, is that we don't give kids time to actually experiment and and experience failure and try to, you know, solve problems. We yeah, want the right answer. And so I, was there a time where you were really frustrated? Oh, yeah. I,
2: you can't not be in grad school and not be frustrated probably most of the time. I mean, that's just what it is. Um, so it takes a certain kind of person to do that. But Again, like part of the, the the training and the experience, like that's what that is. It's to toughen you so that you can get through hard problems and and things that take a long time to do. And when we get into talking about the kids project, that's exactly what it prepared me to do: create, make something creative, but also really, really hard. That may not actually be welcome in certain circles and that may have people kind of trying to stop you. But, like, because I was have that training and mindset, I'm able to still continue and, like, soldier on with it. And I don't think most people who had a, a tough training like that um, could handle it, honestly.
1: So I just want to talk about a chemistry teacher that I worked with, did a podcast on, is Ramsey Muslim. And he talked about sparking curiosity by giving information gaps. Oh, he yeah, said, I- cool. As a chemistry teacher, he he's a high school chemistry teacher, and he said that one of the things, and this is what I experienced, they would give me the reaction and show me the results Mm -hmm. and then have me repeat them myself. There was no excitement because I'd already learned what the reaction would be. He changed it so they had to guess what would happen and then experiment to see why it happened and then share the process. And if it worked, and if it didn't work, and he said the problem is, is we give the answers, right? And I thought this is kind of what you're doing—is you're giving them ideas, and you went through that—you had to come up and try to solve the problem before you knew the answer.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, giving people a variety of questions—you know, sometimes with the answer, sometimes with with uh, support, sometimes the middle, some—you know, giving them all different ways of of dealing with it. Um, yeah, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, to me, I'm just like, how do we spark this <laughs> curiosity so kids want to know more? And I, you know, so, okay, enough of that. Let's talk about these courses uh, that you're doing that is uh, amazing. And why did you start it in the first place? Maybe I should go there.
2: Yeah, it's hard to really know why I started. It was a while <laughs> ago. And there's definitely different reasons for it. So I could probably tell you different reasons why I started it. The one that just comes to mind right now is that I just always knew and thought that there was a hidden potential in human beings. Like I always thought that there was more that we could do and especially more that very young people could do that wasn't being acknowledged or maybe people knew about but didn't want, like they wanted to suppress that knowledge or something. So the project at its core, it's a, it's a, a it's really not about science at all, or even about learning. It's about exposing this truth that there's more that we can do, uh, like a hidden potential. So that's that's what it's about. And it started not with science, but it started with art. So I was sort of an amateur artist. I was always drawing things, but at some point in grad school, I thought I better. Um, I want to expand what I'm doing. I think I think I can try some other things. So I actually learned. How to uh, paint first from the internet. I learned how to do classical painting, and then I also uh, learned how to sculpt. Uh, you know, like classical sculpture. Uh, you know, techniques, things like that. And then I was able to kind of do these things. So I thought, why, why, I don't think I was special. I didn't think that I had some kind of genius uh, artistic abilities. Because I, I know my own brain. I know that I'm not a genius uh, artist or something. I just felt it was something that that people could do but wasn't really un, unlocked somehow. And um, the reason I was able to do it is because I read a book in high school called uh, Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain by Betty Edwards, which uh, she's actually out in California, and she actually knows about my project. I've talked to her a few times uh, about what I'm doing with the biochemistry, but I wanted to actually apply the drawing on the right side of the brain to, to science, but before I did that, I wanted to see if kids could do Her her techniques. Um, So if if people don't know Betty Edwards, she has these very famous books where, you know, she takes a group of adult learners and they kind of have these like very childish, you know, sketches of of their own face that they do. And then a few lessons later, it looks really pretty good. They're able to really get a lot more realism in their drawings and it's very impressive actually what they're able to do. So that worked on me. Um, But again, it it was a methodology. So like, I wasn't like a genius who knew how to draw and sculpt and paint. It was just that someone taught me how to do it properly, and I was able to do it. So I did some classes for kids, and yeah, they could do that. They could do those before and afters. But even more, some some of them, than what Betty Edwards was showing, really impressive before and afters. So then I thought, why don't I try to make the Betty Edwards version of science, basically? And that's what I'm still doing. That's taken a long time to, to figure out how to do that. But that's what my, that's what the project is. I'm looking for impressive before and after not drawings but um abilities and skills and knowledge bases so that's that's some of the things that formed the project
1: that's amazing i I've been actually looking at some of those ideas of that I, I took that book i I tried all of the yeah and I took that class and that idea that it's on the other side and I'm also left handed and I was trying to okay do things you know right handed and just all the of uh, pushing yourself, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: and, and looking <laughs> looking deeply at things, looking closely, and you know learning learning how to see things the right way, and whether or not we draw on our left or right side, like whatever side of your brain or both sides is going on, it's the idea mm-hmm. that you know there's a certain way to look at something so that you can see it, you can really see it, like she talks about seeing it's a big idea for her, actually seeing and, and being honest with what you see and trying to draw what you honestly see, not what you think you saw. That's the essence of her story, and that's very similar to science, right? Science is about um, what's actually there, not what you think is there or should be there, and it's about, um, you know, seeing things in a certain way. The other parallel is that my field of chemistry is extremely visual. It's protein structures, it's organic chemistry structures, so it's it's very artistic in 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 a different way. In a parallel way, so there's lots of different crossovers between art and chemistry. I feel.
1: Well, I was looking at some of your pictures online with the kids, and yeah, (laughs) and and you have, I I guess you have different um, molecules, and I mean they actually are manipulating.
2: Yeah, they're building. Right? And, you know, it's very colorful. Um, it's they're they're basically making little statues. Honestly, so they're connecting things and um, you know, seeing the relationships, seeing the the three D structure is very important. How things move is very important. Uh, how different things interact. So yeah, it's a very um, very well rounded kind of style of chemistry. It's definitely not like the chemistry that you might have seen in high school. I always tell people, you know, people are always really surprised that I'm doing this with kids. And I'm just saying, this is not what anyone's high school chemistry was. It's a completely different um, remix of it. So if it's hard for you to believe that kids can do that, yeah, you couldn't do that. You couldn't do your high school chemistry with um, second graders because that wouldn't work. You have to have something different to make it work.
1: So tell me a little bit about some of the courses. So yeah, because I'm curious if I want to take any. <laughs>
2: <laughs> sure. So I do. the the main <laughs> curriculum, it's a uh, I call it a learning sequence. I was also very influenced by this guy um, Edwin Gordon, who's a music learning theorist, and he was actually uh, sort of the inspiration for my department in uh, Temple, where where I went to music school. So I did a lot of music learning theory. Uh, workshops with kids, so that's kind of the other formative experience for me. I worked at these um, music learning theory institutes, and um, we did special approaches to music learning with modal music and odd um, written meters and things. So that that combined with Betty Edwards, the music and art together, kind of made my my ideas. But um, so I I call my chemistry program a music learning. I call it a chemistry learning sequence because he calls it a music learning sequence. I feel like the sequence is very important, the, the ordering of it. The core of what the kids do, it's a, right now I have about 24 units, so it's a sequence. It has to be done in the right order, and it builds from very, very basic ideas to more complex, and we get to the level of bio- biomolecules and protein folding and genetic code and everything like that. So it's the sequence of learning, but I do also have uh, mini courses that, that we sometimes offer. Actually, I just gave one on COVID. We did a, a COVID day and we had all really? the kids from, yeah, lots of kids from all over the, the program and kids from outside the program came and we did a 90 minute COVID uh, vaccine program where they learned how the vaccine worked and what it was made out of. So, and I just did one on photosynthesis. We do, we do uh, themed courses. So we just did a spring themed photosynthesis class today. So those are also fun to do.
1: Let's just say some a, a teacher would like their class to take the one on COVID day or co- uh, photosynthesis. You offer that.
2: Ah, well, yeah, I, I, those will eventually, I guess, be on the website. But really what's on the website right now are these very um, highly curated or highly developed um, you know, lessons that are, have vid- videos and exercises with them. So th- that's the core of it. But then you know, I'm always creating more content. So yeah, if if, um, if we had uh, COVID, interest in COVID, I guess we could, you know, I could share that those materials also. So that's um, what we can do.
1: So that 90-minute program, tell me a little bit more because I, I want to go into the, the sequence, but I also just want to, I know some people are trying to figure out how to talk about this with the kids.
2: Yeah, it worked really well for me. Um, the, a part of it is because the kids I was talking to were a lot of them were very very advanced kids kids who have are nearing the end of my learning sequence so i can talk to them just like a college uh class it's really there's absolutely no difference they're they're like a very very high functioning college class most of these kids uh because they know they know all the background now but uh yeah so the my strategy was to show them the components of the particle that makes up the va- the vaccine and then show them the components that make up the particle of the virus and show how certain things are the same and certain things are different and why one is uh, good and the other is not good, obviously. So that's that was my approach for the class. Um, but part of the issue with explaining the virus and any of these systems level ideas is that it's so complicated and you do need some background. You can't just start talking about what the vaccine is because people are, are missing all this background, which is another reason that I did the program because people just don't have this background. So it's very hard to uh, even make people believe certain things because yeah. they didn't learn yeah. it in school. So my kids mm-hmm. have that. So it's just so, e- it's, like, it's just so effortless talking to them about this because, yeah, they understand uh, you know, why messenger RNA does what it's doing. So now we can apply that to the, to the vaccine. We don't have to explain people, oh, You know, RNA is made of atoms, and, you know, some of the atoms are oxygen and carbon, and you just have to start from such a basic level um, that it's just by the time you get to what you're trying to talk about, it's got to be pretty hard. So that's why we need more biochemistry literacy in the world, because when these kinds of things are going to happen, and there will be more things like this happening, people need to have some idea of what's going on, because it's just not in school, this, this subject. So that's another motivation. Yeah,
1: I was thinking because I know there's some people that just don't want the vaccine, they're kind of afraid of it, they don't understand it. We also have young children that they're looking at. Now they're moving the level, you know, the age down. Yeah. And um I think that a lot of it is how do you get the information the right in- what is the right information? That kind of thing for people because they get misinformation and if we could just show them the basics of biochemistry Yeah, you are we doing. I mean,
2: the thing is like, you know, some people, yeah. they're, they're trying to do the right thing. They, they don't, this, this is, it's kind of logical actually. They don't understand the biochemistry of the thing. So they kind of don't trust it. And I mean, it does kind of make sense. But so we need to fill that gap. We need to give people the the knowledge so that they trust science. I mean, that's the other thing is like, will you ever, some people will never trust science. That's another problem. But I think if we had, more literacy in this. And there's other areas, too. Like people don't have very much computer literacy, including me, which we saw before. Um, so <laughs> I think we need more of that also so people can understand and make better decisions about te- all technologies. Yeah.
1: Well, so. I, think it, I think that, I mean, we can learn at any age. I'm, as an older That's person, true. I have found, uh, you know, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Yes, you can. I think that people's brains are very malleable and they call it neuroplasticity, right? I think that if we can give them a lot of opportunities, not just children, opportunities for anyone to take some of these courses, I think I would like, because I enjoyed it so much in school, I only had one course on organic chemistry. Wow. Only one. And I really wanted more, but I was going down a track and doing something else. And I'm just saying this would have been a wonderful experience if I could have understood it and gone deeper.
2: So true, yeah. I mean, the COVID class especially, I think people are very interested in that. So now that I've made that class and it seemed to be great with the kids, uh, I am gonna try to market it or adver- somehow advertise so that more people might be interested in that. So um, yeah, I have some ideas for how to do that. I am teaching I am teaching it again for adults through another organization called GenSpace. Um, so that, that class is happening like in a, in a few weeks. Um, I'm teaching more or less the same same idea. So actually, that is that is an opportunity for people to take my exact course. And I can uh, give you the links for that later.
1: It is fun that you're doing this because learning should be fun. Learning should be fun. And, and people are afraid sometimes, especially with COVID. They're, they're afraid to find out things uh, because they've heard some terrible things and think bad things have happened to a lot of people. And uh, and the misinformation that's out there.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, so I I love that. I'm also a gardener in um, oh, wow. our house. So when you said photosynthesis, it got <laughs> me all excited, too. You know, I mean, when, you, when you're younger and you're in, um, the problem, just bear with me, I got to say it. The problem with school is that they give you just a little bit and then they pass you on to the next grade or the next class or whatever. And you never went deep enough. And I love the idea of you doing the sequence where I can really build on it, build on it, build on it. So you're really getting the understanding in the background, right?
2: Yeah, it, it's a very in-depth experience that I'm creating for the kids. And mm-hmm. that's that's exactly how I felt about it, too. The, the, the learning you get in, um, like, K to 8— it's, it's very um, superficial, and that's what the teachers are supposed to do, though. That, that's the way the standards are set up. That's what the curriculum is. The curriculum isn't what I'm doing, like going way into a college level uh, of the curriculum. So it's nothing that the teachers are doing wrong. They're just doing what they're told to do and what they're trained to do. So one of the big goals, and um, I don't see any reason why this shouldn't be one of my goals— is to influence the standards in the future. And sh- that's why I'm doing this, to show what kids can really do. So I, I hope that one day there can be a connection between what I'm doing and, and what people care about at the um, you know decision-making level. And uh, eventually there'll be enough kids that can advocate for themselves that this is what things should be. You know, It shouldn't actually be me trying to force my ideas on the government or wh- whatever this is making these decisions. It's really the kids that... Um, need to demand that that this is what, that, that they know they can do this and this is what they wanted to learn. They, they want to have a deeper understanding of these subjects.
1: So I was, um, I mean, I did a lot of little things, like I was a com- computer teacher and did that on the side. And I also was chapter leader for the young astronauts. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, was, I loved it. I did it. But they were all after school programs. Yeah. You see what, and I did GATE and i did a lot of these other things because i felt that we needed to go deeper and come up with some really good projects because they were just they didn't go into the the why yeah and there's you know there's lots mean? of yeah
2: there's <laughs> lots of little projects little one one time one off experiences but what i'm mm-hmm. saying is that this is this is what it can be it can be your second grader or third grader can do an entire college course that is made appropriate for them and then they're they don't even need those in between years so we're we're just completely jumping over a decade of the kid's life and going right into this high-level stuff. The other issue is that we lose the people. That decade is it becomes a decade where we lose them because we don't give them anything that's interesting or meaningful or in-depth enough, and they don't, it doesn't become part of their personality. Um, the kids that that do these courses, they have periodic table birthday cakes. They want more of those (laughs) chemistry models for Christmas. Um, It's just this is everything that they are because it is everything. Like, they are biochemistry. Like, we are made of biomolecules, everything around them. So it's such a a meaningful and profound realization to have this connection to the molecular world. So that's what, you know, I never felt that as a kid. I never felt, oh, this subject is like a profound realization for me. But that's what we can do when we treat the kids this way and give them a, an in-depth experience.
1: I want to take your class. I just think it's going to be amazing. I, I want kids to have it. So I would love you to tell my audience how they can find you. I'm sure. going to put, you remember, I'm going to put links and I think you even have a video. I think you have some few things that we can put in the blog post that goes with this. But if they're only listening, I want to know them to know how to get a hold of you and yeah, sure.
2: So I do have a connection with um, this community biolab in Brooklyn called GenSpace. So if people want to take classes that are for, you know, geared more towards adults, um, the yeah. next one I'm doing is at the last weekend in April, I just found it. So you can just search GenSpace and you can find. Uh, and also, there's other really cool class that, that your audience may really appreciate that other people teach there. So, um, but but what I'm really my real um, program is biochemistry literacy for kids, and you can easily find that if you search for biochemistry homeschool or you know any all kinds of ways you can you can uh, find that. And uh, so the website is, is really nice now. We have all kinds of uh, links to everything about the project. Um, it was uh, featured in, in the New York Times right before the, the, the pandemic, and hopefully we'll have more media coverage of it. And it's, I'm so appreciative to have you covering this also, so it helps me connect with more people. And, uh, yeah, so the website, you can, uh, you know, see what the kids do. You can watch some documentaries that we filmed in some uh, public and private schools to show, you know, how cool this is when it's deployed in a school um, right now, especially during the pandemic, we have tons of homeschoolers. We have hundreds of homeschool families around the world using it. So it's really something that has gotten some traction and people are really excited about. And you can see that in all the, the posts that you, you would find on uh, you know, like our Facebook groups and things like that. And on Instagram, I'll post pictures of what the kids are doing. So, uh, yeah, it's just really just kind of little community that's cr- been uh, created for high-level biochemistry learners, and I do hope to expand it to other fields in the future, which is another thing to talk about. But uh, that's that's where it's at right now.
1: Oh, I was going to ask what's next, but okay, just a little, just a little bit. What did you think of? You might want to do in the future.
2: Yeah, sure. So, so just like the project's beginnings were in art learning, and I kind of realized that kids could do some amazing realistic art if you just kind of give them the right exercises to do. This idea can be applied to other things. So, can we apply, we can apply it to physics and math uh, learning also? So, and I've done a little bit of that, but I would love to develop those more fully. And actually, a lot of my homeschool families they want th- those things because they they want to l- have the kids learning in this style for other subjects too.
1: So, in my cha- as a chapter leader, I did a whole thing on physics. It was so fun. They gave me all these wonderful activities. I mean, I, well, I w- I was very loud. It was a lot of fun, so I I guess uh, I need to know more about what you're doing because this is just this has been really very informative, but also fun, very fun.
2: Yeah, and it's so fun, and that's something that people don't realize that I'm not like you know coercing the kids into doing these subjects. Like they want more. When I'm ending my Zoom classes, they're just they're just like looking and they're like, "Is there anything else we can learn?" So the kids just absolutely love this stuff, and I would just love to share it with more people.
1: Oh, well, I am so honored that you signed up for my mentor session. <laughs> so I met you. I just think this is just amazing. And uh, Dan, I'm definitely excited to share share what you're doing. I, I hope that uh, I hope some of the people that are listening also retweet it, share it, put it on Instagram, get it out there. Oh, thank you. This. This was wonderful, Dan.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. It was an honor for you to mentor me, also. So, thank me. Oh. I'm glad we have our, our new friendship here.
1: Oh, yeah, it's gonna. We're we're, we're always gonna be friends now because this is a, uh, this is wonderful. This is Barbara Bray. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning podcast and my conversation with Dr. Daniel Freed about how he applies art and music to science and is awesome biochemistry courses for K-12. There's a blog post with links and resources that goes with this podcast about Dan on my website. Did you know that there are over hundreds of podcasts where my guests and I feel like we're sitting and talking on my porch? It would be an honor if you've subscribed to my Rethinking Learning podcast and also subscribe to my website at barbarabray.net. That way you receive announcements, updates, and resources. If you want, throw in a review. I would love that. While you're there, click on the Define Your Why tab about my book, where I added questions, resources, and links. And click on the Resources tab to get to my toolkit that I hope you find valuable. Every story is different, unique, and an adventure. All of our stories matter. Your story matters, and now, We need each other more than ever. Keep sharing your story and please stay safe and be well.